Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. On last Sunday, this Sunday again, I want your mind, open your mind, open your heart, open your spirit as as we attempt to share this word with you from 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 to 3 to get us started. Verses 1, 2, and 3 of 1 John chapter 4 will get us started, get us started, but we'll look at some other verses in the chapter as we journey through this word. Amen. 1 John chapter 4. Reading from the New Living Translation, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. Amen. Amen. Uh, Father, help us to share this word today. Help us to rightly divide your word and articulate your heart with accuracy. Help us through the empowerment and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Help us to receive your word with gladness and hide it in our hearts that we may not sin against you. I'm trusting you as always. I'm trusting you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk today from the thought, don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear. Amen. Let me begin by making it crystal clear. We need to hear what God is saying. We need to hear what God is saying. We cannot live by bread alone. We live by the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God's word helps us understand God's heart. God's word helps us understand how life works. God's word empowers us to renew our minds and live transformed lives. We need to know what God is saying. What God is saying gives us hope in what appear to be hopeless situations. What God is saying gives us promises to stand on when things are falling apart. What God is saying gives us standards of holiness by which we live so we shall see him for without holiness no one will see the Lord. We need to know what God is saying. We we need to be clear on who is actually giving us what comes from the heart of God. John warned us that everybody claiming to speak on God's behalf ain't necessarily speaking on his behalf. John told all of us not to believe everyone who claims to speak the word of God. In fact, what he says in verse 1, y'all, is when he says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by by the Spirit. In the actual Greek, what John is saying is, stop believing. 
what everyone who claims to be by the, speak by the Spirit is saying. Stop believing. It is as if he's writing to an audience that was guilty of embracing uh, uh, things as truth from the heart of God that was not actually truth. John is saying, actually, stop believing everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. He told us, he told us to test them. You must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God. They have a spirit, but does it come from God? That word try in the, in the King James Version, that word try, uh, it means to put to the test for the purpose of approving. In finding that the person put to the test meets the specifications laid down to put one's, to put one's approval. It means that when you're hearing someone teach you something, when you hear someone preaching uh, anything to you, you're, you're kind of checking them out, giving them the side eye, see if what they're saying is true. Uh, all of us who have joined the military, all of us who went to the military, we, we had to undergo uh, endure recruit training. And that recruit training was not only to train you for the military, it was to test you to see if you could withstand the rigors of war. It was to test you to see if you could follow commands. It was to test you to see if you could meet certain standards for your appearance, for your equipment. Um, but it was, it, was, it was to test you to see if you could withstand the stress and the rigors of war. John provided a litmus test for all of us who would hear folks who claimed to be telling us the truth. Verse 2, the litmus test is, is in verse 2. John said, this is how we know if they have the spirit of God. How, John? Tell us. Tell us. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Jesus Christ in a real body. That's, that's the litmus test. Are they, are they proclaiming Jesus Christ came in a real body with flesh, bones, blood, the whole nine? Because in that day and time, one of the leading controversies, one of the leading debates was whether or not Jesus of Nazareth was a real person in a real body. The Gnostics, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S, -S, the Gnostics believed that anything, anything that had to do with God, anything divine was spirit, and anything that, that's composed of matter, anything that's tangible, anything that you could actually look at and touch and feel, they believed it was evil, that all matter is evil evil. So that, that would mean that, that I, I am evil. I'm a person. You're a person. Persons are evil because you can touch us. You can feel us. You can see us. We are composed of matter. We're composed of matter. So therefore, we are evil. And the Gnostics believed that God or anything divine is too good to have any contact with matter. And so therefore, for a God to become a person is impossible. So this was a prevalent teaching, a prevalent argument, even uh, uh, creeping its way into the church. There's no way that God could become flesh. We believe God became flesh in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. 
that he dwelt with us, that he tabernacled with us, he, he abode with us, he hung out with us, he lived amongst us. That's what John said in the gospel according to St. John. In fact, the gospels, gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are attempts to look back at and explain who Jesus was. When Matthew wrote his gospel, Matthew basically was trying to argue, here is who Jesus was. Mark, who wrote the first gospel, uh, did the same thing. Here, here is who Jesus was, and here's what he did. Luke did the same thing. Here's who Jesus was and what he did. John, same thing. Here's, what, here's who he was and what he did. And they, they, they each had their own angle uh, as to how they presented Jesus, but they wanted to make it clear that, that Jesus really did exist. He really did live. There is a historical Jesus. But the Gnostics believed, okay, if he did exist, he was not a human. He must have been some other, some other manifestation of a being, but he wasn't a human because gods or divinity has no contact with matter. And there's no way that a god could become a person. Much of what we have in the New Testament is an argue as an argument against that argument, pro proving that Jesus is a person, that he, that, that he did become, that God did become uh, flesh and dwelt among us. A lot of what we've looked at in Corinthians, Colossians, is, is an attempt to diffuse the Gnostic argument. And so John says, I, I know what y'all are concerned about. I know the issues that, that you're wrestling with, whether or not Jesus of Nazareth was actually God in the flesh, redeeming mankind into the world, whether or not God was actually in Christ, uh, reconciling the world unto himself, as Paul would tell the Corinthians. So John said, let me help y'all out. All of y'all who are struggling with whether or not Jesus actually lived in a body, let me let me help y'all out he did number one number two anybody telling you that Jesus came in a real body you can trust that they're telling you the truth anyone who would tell you that Jesus was not in a real body give them the side eye they're not telling you the truth but my question is would John's litmus test help us with the theological issues we're debating today how do we conduct such a test in the 21st century? Jesus Christ did come in a real body. Was that body a black one or was it a white one? There are some who adamantly argue that Jesus of Nazareth was a white man. And there are some who, who, like me, argue adamantly that Jesus of Nazareth had some color to his pigmentation. Now, we can debate whether or not he was black. He may have been brown, but you ain't going to convince me that Jesus was white. Was John telling us that it doesn't matter whether he was black, brown, or white? He had a body. Would John tell us today that as long as someone proclaims Jesus came in a real body, we can trust them to be speaking by the spirit. Hmm. If someone preaches that Jesus Christ came in a real body and bled for real, died for real, was buried for real and resurrected for real, 
and go on to say that he saved everyone, whether they embrace him as savior or not, and that everyone is saved, whether they are Hindu, Buddhist, or whatever, and they may simply not be aware that Jesus' death on the cross saved their soul, and they are going to heaven, whether they are Christian, Hindu, Buddhist, or whatever, and we can therefore trust that, that they are speaking by the Spirit. Hmm. What about those who proclaim Jesus came in a real body, but there's no such thing as hell? There is no hell. There is no eternal torment. God is love and there is no hell. There is. There are some who will not argue whether or not Jesus came in a real body, but they will declare there is no hell. Are they speaking by the Holy Spirit? If someone preaches Jesus Christ came in a real body and bled, died, was buried, resurrected from the grave, and they go on to address God as our father, Dr. Anderson, and our mother. Can we trust they are speaking by the Spirit? And before we declare that anyone who would refer to God as our heavenly father and our heavenly mother, uh, you, you might want to do your homework. There are plenty references in scripture that, that, that present God with some motherly tendencies. Amen. And, and, and that doesn't mean we can walk around saying amen or a woman. There's a movement now to remove any, any gender specific references from the Bible. In fact, there is a Bible you can buy. That, that has removed all gender, gender specific references to, to remove any patriarchal uh, influence on the scriptures. But there are some who will not, will not argue whether or not Jesus came in a real body. But they will, they will refer to God as our father and mother. Are they speaking by the spirit? Hmm. This litmus test. That John gives us if they proclaim that Jesus came in a real body, they're speaking by the spirit. But John, if they are openly gay and proclaiming Jesus came in a real body, can we trust that they are speaking by the Holy Spirit? An openly gay clergy is a major controversial topic in many Christian denominations. There are churches, there are denominations splitting up over that issue. If they are, if, if someone proclaims that Jesus came in a real body and they're a woman, can we trust that the spirit would speak through a woman? Now at Union Grove, we've settled that issue eons ago. But there are some who still adamantly declare that women ain't got no business preaching. Hmm. Does it matter? Does it matter if a proclaimer of God's word is pro-life or pro-choice? Does it matter if does it matter if a proclaimer of God's word emphatically proclaims that Jesus came in a real body, but they accept or reject critical race theory? 
Critical race theory is a major topic of discussion in the Southern Baptist Convention today. John, do we need a revised litmus test for the 21st century? How, how do we know if someone is telling us the truth when we, when we all may agree that Jesus came, that when so many of us may agree that Jesus came in a real body and that he, that he died, bled, suffered, died, and uh, was buried and was resurrected. But, but beyond that, we, we disagree. We can read the same Bible. We can trust the same spirit to lead us and guide us and, and draw a diametrically opposed conclusions, even to the point of hostile divisions. Do we need an updated litmus test? Here, here's where I am. Here's, here's the conclusion I draw for us today. Hear those who proclaim he has come in a body and that all who embrace him as Savior and Lord belong to the body of Christ in the earth. And let me be clear. Jesus came to us in a real body. He came to us, in a, if that's the litmus test, he came to us in a real body. And that real body was born in a real manger to a real woman. That real body got hungry and ate real food. That real body really needed some rest. That real body performed real miracles. That real body really walked on water. That real body was really tempted just like you and just like me are really tempted. Anybody here ever deal with some real temptations? Maybe sometimes from other folk in real bodies. Yeah, but and I need I need a savior. I need a Jesus who came to me in a real body and had some real struggles and some real temptations because according to the scriptures, he is a real high priest who can really sympathize with all of us who have some real struggles and some real temptations and some real weaknesses. And I need somebody when I come boldly before the throne of grace where I can be real at the throne of grace. I may not be able to be real in church on Sunday morning I may not be able to be real in Sunday school or, or at the men's Bible study but is there any place I can go and it's safe for me to be real where the real David can open up and share some real struggles some real temptations some real weaknesses and according to the scriptures if there's nowhere, play, nowhere else on earth you can go there is the throne of grace because we have according to the scriptures a real high priest in Jesus Christ of Nazareth and so for everybody in here who's struggling with some real issues, some real weaknesses, some real temptations, some real trials, some real tribulations, let me assure you, there is a place you can go. And there's someone standing there, sitting there, waiting on you who can really sympathize, really understand, really relate to what you're going through. And his name is Jesus. And the Bible says that at the throne of grace, we can find grace to help us and mercy for us in our time of need. And the time when we need to really be at the throne of grace is when we're struggling. And when we get there, the throne ain't empty. When we get there, the throne is not void of love. The throne is not void of power. The throne is not void of grace. The throne is not void of mercy. The throne is not void of empathy. The throne is not void of sympathy. The throne is not void of understanding. We have a sympathetic Savior who can understand because he lived in a real body dealt with some real struggles some real temptations some real issues anybody else besides me need a real savior like that 
I'm talking about help me. Help me before I catch a case. Help me. Help me before I lose my mind. Help me. Help me before I give up. Help me. Help me before I throw in the towel. Help me. Help me before I just let it all go. Help me. And the good news is, Jesus came to us in a real body. So even with our struggles, we have someone to whom we can turn. This real, this real Jesus, he, he was in a real body. He really suffered. He was really beaten. He really bled. He really died. He was really buried and really resurrected from the grave. And one day, he is really coming back. Hallelujah. And that real body has been changed and will be changed to have a body just like his. We will look just like Jesus. First John 3 and 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Hallelujah. Now, now, now some issues, some issues some, some of the issues over which we differ, some of the issues over which uh, we, we can really get hostile, some of the issues over which we can be divided uh, differ. They, they differ. Listen, some of the issues over which we differ matter more to us than they do to God. Let's say that again. Some of the stuff that, that can really divide us, some of the stuff that can really pull us apart from other believers, from other churches, matter more to us than they do to God say it one more time for all of y'all in the back some of the stuff that we really get up in an uproar about some of the doctrine some of the theological issues that we can really get angry and hostile matter more to us than they do to God Jesus said Matthew 23 Verses 23 and 24, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. Watch this. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Jesus goes on and says, you should tithe. Let that sink, let that simmer. You should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus said, blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. All of these other issues, the question must be raised. Are we more uptight about some of these other issues than God is? Just a question. Some of this other stuff we get, we, we split up over. Some of this stuff that, that we get so uptight about, it, is it more important to us than it is to God? It's a question. That, that all of us must ask and struggle to answer. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear about Jesus. Hear those who proclaim he has come in a body and that all who embrace him as Savior and Lord belong to the body of Christ in the earth. What we believe about Jesus matters. Why? Three things real quick we're going to raise up. Number one. What we believe about Jesus reflects to whom we belong. 
What we believe about Jesus reflects to whom we belong. Verse 4. Verse 4 says, but you belong to God. You belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those, over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world. So they speak from the world's viewpoint and the world listens to them. But we belong to God. In case you didn't hear me in verse 4. John let me let me say it again. But we belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. This, that is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Deception. There's a difference between those of us who belong to God and those who belong to the world. If you do not believe the truth about Jesus, you belong to the world. Those of us who believe the truth about Jesus, that he is the son of God, came to us in a real body, suffered, bled, died for us, belong to God. We need to hear those who will help us, help us live as persons who belong to God. Amen. That's who I need to be watching. That's who I need to be listening to. That's whose books I need to be reading. That's that's who I need to, whose podcast I need to listen to. Those who will help me live as if I belong to God. I belong to God. Now, I belong to a gym. I, I've been a member of a gym for years. I know I don't look like what I'm going through. That's a whole different testimony. Been, I've been a member of a gym. I've been going to the gym. Reg- regularly for years first lady and I went to the gym together this past week sat down with a guy and uh, signed up for this program they have and I told my man listen I've been whacking at for a long time I want to I, I, I'm not trying to be in nobody's bodybuilding contest and I just want to look like I work out I, I want to I look like I you know I didn't want to look like it. <laughs> you know, I ain't trying to become Miss, Mr. Universe, but I just want to look like I wake up. I'm just saying. You, you can be a member of the church, but do you look like? Do, do, do you look like you? And attend church regularly. Do you look like? Does your life look like? You're not only a member of a church. But go to the church all the time. We belong to God. This means our lives must be different from those who belong to the world. Who we hear and what we believe will reflect to whom we belong. And we have proof, John goes on to say, we have proof that we belong to God. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. Hmm. 
So, so God's Holy Spirit helps us live like we belong to God. He, he helps us by abiding in us and living and, and living in us, leading and guiding us into all truth, just like Jesus said. Jesus said in John 16 13 John 16 13 when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth he will not speak on his own but will tell you what he has heard he will tell you about the future we have we have a witness on the inside of us we we have a holy witness a holy a holy divine witness who searches the heart of the father to release unto us what comes from the heart of God so that we then can take it and hide it in our hearts and live it so we need to listen to others who speak by God's spirit to edify us so we can live like we belong to God those who speak by God's spirit align with what the spirit of God is saying amen move on to my second point what we first of all what we believe about jesus reflects to whom we belong secondly what we believe about jesus impacts how we live a life of love jesus help me what we believe about jesus impacts how we live a life of love i'm gonna start at verse seven verse seven dear friends let us continue to love one another For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, and John has argued that he's loved us enough to sacrifice his son Jesus for us. Since God loved us that much to where he gave up his son for us, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Now, the love we have for one another is better than that that, that you find in the world. What we are supposed to have in the body of Christ amongst amongst all of us who belong to God. One thing that certainly separates us, separates us from people in the world is we, 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 we pose to love one another. With the same kind of love God loved us with. An unconditional love. Unconditional love. That's the kind of love we're supposed to love. We're supposed to love one another with an unconditional love. Which means I can look beyond your faults. And meet your needs. I, I, I can love you in spite of. God loved me in spite of. Anybody else get that kind of love from God? Loved you in spite of. In spite of your drug addiction, in spite of your promiscuous ways, in spite of your lying spirit, in spite of a rebellious heart, in spite of God loved us in spite of. Loved us so much, sent his only son to die for us. It's a very expensive love. Very extravagant love. Amen. Amen. Let me me say this here now. We must love according to the scriptures and not according to the culture. And and as the people of God, we love according to the scriptures, not according to the culture. The culture says, if you love me, you accept whatever it is about me. And won't, and won't judge me at all. In other words, you love me, you ought not find anything wrong with me. That's the culture. 
You ought not have anything to say about who I fall in love, with whom I fall in love. You, you ought not say anything. You ought not have a problem with whoever I decide to marry. You, you, amen, thank you. We, we, you ought not, the culture says, even some in the culture will go so far as to say, if you can't love, if you cannot accept everything there is about me, then you can't accept me at all. And then, and then they decide that since, since you can't love me and accept everything about me, then you and I can have no dealings because you don't love me. Well, if the culture is giving you your definition of love, if that's love to you, then according to the culture, then I guess may, maybe you're correct. But according to the scriptures, I can love you anyhow. Feed you when you're hungry anyhow. Clothe you when you're naked anyhow. Pray for you anyhow. Be there when you're hurting anyhow. Be there to listen when, you know, anyhow. I can, I can, I can visit you when you're sick anyhow. Even if you're sick with something that you ought not have caught if you wasn't in sin. Let me plant this seed for, for all the parents. You can be a, a loving parent anyhow. Even when you disagree with some choices, all of us going to disagree with some choices our cheering make. Period. Just like our parents disagree with some choices we made and loved us anyhow. Amen. I love you, but I can't accept that. Love won't let me accept that. It's not right. According to the scriptures, it ain't right. But I love you. I'll still answer whenever you call. I'll still respond whenever you text. I'll still reply whenever you email. You can still come by the house. You ain't bringing that though. Come on to the house. You coming for the weekend? Come on. You bringing them? Come on. No, y'all ain't sleeping in the same bed. No, it ain't. No. Not in this house. And I do love you. And I love them. But I ain't accepting that. I ain't condoning that. Bless, bless his name. This love is different from the world. It's scriptural. We get it from the scriptures, not the culture. Get, you live a life of love as defined by the scriptures, not the culture. And see, in John's day, in John's day, these, these persons, they, they would get this letter from John, but they couldn't go and listen to Christian radio. They couldn't just watch Christian television programming, which may not have been a bad thing. It's some junk on Christian TV. They, they couldn't go on YouTube and listen to their favorite, their, their favorite uh, pastor. Now, now we can, our views, our views can be shaped by pastors. Our views can be shaped by Bible teachers who are not pastors. Our views can be shaped by Christian authors. Our views can be shaped by professors like a Michael Eric Dyson, Cornell West, whom I love, who I watch. 
you know, frequently. It can be shaped by, a, by an economist or social scientist like a Thomas Sowell. You can listen to people who are extremely conservative, extremely liberal, moderate, black conservative. Well, you got to check the screen and make sure. Are they black saying that? Did a black man really just, a black educated man really just say that? But we, 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 we get our love, our, def, our definition of love and how we apply love comes from the scriptures. It's an in spite of kind of love. It's a love that looks beyond faults. It's a love that acknowledges something that ain't acceptable when the scriptures clearly say it ain't acceptable. And I can accept you and look beyond the stuff you bring to the table that ain't acceptable, just like you can accept me and look beyond what I bring to the table that's not acceptable. Because despite what is unacceptable with all of us, God still reached out to us to love us first. Look at verse 9. First John 4 and 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. God didn't wait until we got right. God didn't wait until we got to a certain place of moral cleansing. God didn't wait until we got to, to mankind got to a certain place. Even in mankind's worst, God said, I'm coming in the form of my son in a real body to redeem mankind. Verse 10, this is real love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. It's a redemptive love. Then in verse 19, John says, we love each other because he loved us first. So the way the body of Christ is supposed to work, the way we're supposed to hear people, hear voices, hear, hear the spirit of God speak so that in the end, we are loving one another the same way God loved us. That's what matters. Can I love you the way God loves me? Listen to proclaimers of the truth who empower you to love others as God has loved us. Number three, and I'm done. What we believe about Jesus prepares us for the test we all must take. What we believe about Jesus prepares us for the test we all must take. I'm in verse 17. And as we live in God, our love, oh, I just thank God for this. Our love grows more perfect. In other words, I can mature in love. I can become more mature in expressing love to other folk. Isn't that a blessing? And let me add this. Let me add this. I, I am learning. I am learning that even as we age, there's something about aging and growing older that can, that can change you. It can, some, some aspects, it can mellow you out about some stuff that you used to get uptight about. I think it's just something, I think it's just something natural about aging. So even in naturally just aging, my, my perspectives are changing. What can get me in an uproar can change. What can cause me to chill can change. What I deem important can change. What I think, nah, ain't nothing to that. I used to think that was important. Ain't nothing to that. The, the ecclesiastical writer wrote a whole book on that. Oh, I, already, I, I, I done had all that. Ain't nothing to it. I had the money. I had the women. I've traveled. I've seen the world. I've had it all. Ain't, ain't nothing to all that. Basically, listen, here's life. Love God and keep his commandments. 
There's something about aging that causes you to change, causes you to see things change. Maturing in love in the Holy Ghost can, can, can work with that to make, you, to, to make you more like Jesus, to make you mellow out more. Not that you're casual about everything. You still, you still have some principles, boundaries, right? But, you, but, but it, it just does something to you. And maturing in love can make you go to people and apologize for things you said and did years ago when you were younger and more immature. Jesus help me. But we, we, what we believe about Jesus prepares us for the test we all must take. Verse 17 again. Uh, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him who will test our lives with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Since love has no fear, perfect love, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. Well, yeah, if you ain't been living right, you ought to be afraid of being punished. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. I, I need somebody speaking into my life. We need people who speak into our lives according to the scriptures by the spirit of God. So that we live and love courageously. Understanding one day, all of us must stand a test. Jesus is going to test your life. And, and not just things you did. He's going to test how you loved people. How, how, you lo how you loved people. Whether you accepted stuff, you should not have accepted. Whether you condoned things, you should not have condoned. Whether you celebrated things, you should not have celebrated. But at the same time. Whether you condoned things that God wasn't, whether you condemned things that God did not condemn. I don't want to be guilty of condemning something or someone that God is not condemning. Amen. You ever hear the phrase, I don't want to be on the wrong side of history? I don't want to be on the wrong side of God. I don't want to be on the wrong side of God. I'm living courageously. The spirit of God gives us courage to live today. Understanding. One day we just as we test spirits to see if the person speaking to us, if their spirit come from God. All right. Test. Well, one day you're going to be tested. One day I'm going to be tested. Let's live in love so we can pass that test. Let's, let's live in love so that we pass that test with flying colors, not because of all the good we've done, but because of his grace, because he worked on us, because his spirit matured us, convicted us when we didn't treat folk right, convicted us when we made a big deal of something that God didn't make a big deal. Let's, let's live so that we can pass that test so that when Jesus reviews, you ever have somebody review your test and the answers you gave? I think we're going to stand before Jesus. He's going to review all, all, these, all these decisions we made, all these things we said, and all these arguments we had to win. And all the times we had to have the last word. And when we, we, we had to win the argument, because we, we told them. We showed them. You told them then. I sure told them. They're not coming around here with that mess no more. I told them. And let me say this. Now, I'm done. Jared, help me out. I'm done. How about we live so that we pass the test where people know us more for what we stand for than what we stand against? Yeah. I want to pass that test. 
I want to pass that test. I can't condone something that God ain't condoning. I can't condemn something God is not condemning. And it's one thing to say, well, I, I know what the Bible says. I'm sticking with what the Bible says. You may know what the Bible says. Do you know what the Bible means? And some of these, some of these passages of scripture where well, you know what it says, you may think you know what it means. The longer I live, the more I study the word, the more I realize some of these resources which, with which we depend to give us understanding, some of them don't give us the whole picture. You got to understand a lot of the, if not most, or all of the resources we use, commentaries, Strong's Concordance, study Bibles were written by white men. And there is a bias. All of y'all with the Strong's Concordance. I, I use it too. I learned a lot about that Strong's Concordance. You look up the Greek and the Hebrew. Sometimes he ain't telling you everything. And how it was used when, when, the, when the person wrote the letter. When they wrote in Hebrew. When they wrote in, in Greek. He, he, ain't telling, he ain't telling the whole story. I'm, I'm saying who's telling us the truth? You can't believe everything you hear. But believe those who will tell you Jesus came in a real body to die a real death, to express a real love, an eternal love, a redemptive love, a love that builds bridges, a love that connects people to God, a love that connects sinners to God, a love, a love that can make you better in the eyes of God, a love that can help you live holy, a love that can help build a community of love, a love based on the scriptures, not necessarily the culture. So I'm closing, confessing, I need God to help me. To discern when he is speaking to me. It's not as easy as so many people would say. Oh, if it, if it, don't, if it don't agree with your spirit and you get, it doesn't agree with your spirit, don't you receive that? Well, now everybody telling you that is lying. Because sometimes truth will make you uncomfortable. Jesus. Truth will make you uncomfortable. Truth can convict you. Sometimes someone is telling you the God-ordained truth and it will convict you to your core, to the place where you got to repent for what you've been saying, what you've been teaching, what you've been preaching, how you've been treating folk. All of you who preach, teach, live as if it's just so easy. God bless you. I think you live in a lie, but God bless you. It's not so easy, but I want to get it right. And I believe, I'm done being done when I say this. I believe anyone who sincerely, wholeheartedly, uh, uh, purely wants to please God will seek him and truth and get it. I believe it. It ain't going to all come at once. It comes over time. I believe there are some truths God won't give us till we're ready to receive it. In the meantime, live what you understand. Live courageously. Live out the love. 
with which God has loved us, where in spite of us, he loved us. In spite of us, he still loves us. In spite of us, he still helps us. In spite of us, he helps us to become more like him. And if you're after that, if you, if you are in pursuit of striving to become more like him, he will help you. If you just want to know the Bible more, just want to know the word, God bless you. If you want to become more like him, he helps us. He helps us. I'm finished. If you would stand. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.